the blast from our past network. Robo, excuse me, Robo. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? Stay out of trouble. Talking Back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me is co host, Dean. Your move, Tim. Oh, it's Diener Cop. Diener Cop. I like that <laughs> Diener Cop. That was pretty good. I like your footsteps. Thank you. I like that because the footsteps in this movie are really good. I'm They're really so good. A fan the sound. Footsteps. The sound of this guy is amazing. It's so ominous. I love yeah, it. I love it. We are doing RoboCop this week. Yes. See how quick I I snuck that in there. Yeah, good job. Congratulations. Let's just let's just say it at the beginning and then get it out of the get it out of the way. Yeah, you're learning. Yeah, after a uh, hundred and however episode, however many episodes, I'm learning. I'm finally <laughs> learning how to how to yeah. do this. Yeah, I like to call this movie uh, Murphy Cop. I mean, you could. Yeah, you could. I guess. He's Murphy. Well, yeah, he gets to he gets there. Yeah, I don't know if he's Murphy Cop the whole time though. So let's just he call isn't. him RoboCop. He is not, Tim. He is not Murphy Cop the whole time. <laughs> not, no, he's not. So let's call him RoboCop. Okay. I guess the sequel should have been called Murphy Cop. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, what's your background on this, actually? Because I don't... We don't often actually chat ahead of time about these episodes and what we're no. doing or if you've seen them or not. I know most of the time you haven't seen them, but I don't find that out until the podcast. So what's your what's your history? Uh, my history is uh, when I was a child, I don't know how old... Um, this movie would play on television and I tuned in one time. I saw this dude's, um, skin face on a metal body and that freaked me out. So I was, I was not on board with Robocop, never really watched it as a, as a kid. Um, but I watched Total Recall a lot. I watched Starship Troopers a lot. And so later on in my years, when I started to follow directors, and sort of realized that those two movies were the same director. I was like, oh, you know what? I gotta, I gotta check out uh, Verhoeven. I gotta check out some other things he's done. So that's when I was like, oh, he did Robocop. Yeah, let's let's watch this. So I've actually, I watched this maybe like three years ago for the first time, and just you know loved it. Absolutely loved it. Cool. Okay. Uh, I saw it as a kid. Uh, I can't believe I saw this movie as a kid. Yeah, you're watching a kid, it now. Though. It it blows my mind. I saw it as a kid older brother was at a hockey tournament like in another city back then okay back then in the hotel you could rent movies that weren't out to rent on vhs oh, yet yeah. Yeah, but yeah. were out of the theater totally. there was like a six month six month period where they're out of the theater but you can get them on like the paid tv subscriptions which the hotels had for free if you stayed there so rumor was going around that one of the kids knew his parents were going to be out of the room for the evening so it's let's rent RoboCop. Let's call all the kids over. We're going to sit in the room and watch it. So that's how I got dragged into that one. Um, all I remember is that we got busted. We got busted like halfway through. And then I'm pretty sure the following night we like did the same thing again and made our way through the whole movie. But this I definitely remember being terrified at this movie. 
Uh, definitely seeing it as a, as a, like a kid, like I was probably like, I don't know. I was probably like nine years old when I saw it, uh, definitely affected me. Yes. And I think for the rest of my life, I was like, oh yeah, I know RoboCop. I know that movie. I saw that movie. Um, it was good. There's some, definitely some things in it that really freaked me out and I didn't really understand the movie. And I don't think I ever watched it again until just now for the podcast. I may have seen it like one time a long, long, long time ago, maybe when I was a teenager or something, but I I really haven't seen this movie in forever. And this would, this is, I would say is my first proper viewing of this movie where I'm actually, I have a fully developed, developed brain so I can see it. Like I was seeing it for the first time in a way. So loved it loved the experience that's awesome tim we're we're like completely opposite on that because like for the yeah for the me experiencing it in like sort of the last three years i just it's become one of my favorites and i've you know watched it a bunch of times during that so uh we're we're just opposites on that that's kind of cool yeah and i mean i always loved it like there was something about it that was just iconic and i loved but um i didn't i guess i would say i didn't appreciate it Mm because i didn't understand it as a kid and also it terrified the shit out of me I think it's I think it's a type of movie where um, you could just watch it and be entertained by it or you could think about it. And also there's some other things in there for you. If you want to just like think a little deeper about the story, there's some more things in there. But I think it just plays as sort of a um, just a, a good 80s action movie as well. It does. Yeah. 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 It was released in 1987 with a budget of 14 million dollars. And it grosses $53 million. So that is really good. That's great. Um, I think a movie like this easily could have bombed at that time. Yeah. So it's interesting that people must have really been hungry for this style of movie for it to do that well. Hmm. So Yeah. It's kind of cool. And it's, yeah, now, a very violent, you know, R-rated movie. That's a, that's a nice return on that. Yeah. Very violent, like sci-fi. Yeah. You know, action drama in a way. Yeah. So, as mentioned, directed by Paul Verhoeven. Um, Yeah, obviously, Total Recall, Starship Troopers. Those are the big ones. Yep. It was written by Michael Miner and Edward Neumeyer. Neumeyer turned down the position of vice president at Universal Pictures so he could develop this screenplay for RoboCop. Wow. Yes, wow. I absolutely love that that yeah. this guy's passion for this project was so strong that he'd turn that job down but uh after seeing his depiction of like corporations in this yeah. film uh he must have had some real bad experiences working at universal yeah that's a good that's a good point actually tim he must, uh, uh, he must have already known something that he wasn't interested in there's some cynicism in this movie <laughs> a wee a wee bit a wee bit a wee bit, yeah, we, very we, <laughs> very we, <laughs> S- small w. <laughs> now he was inspired to write RoboCop five years earlier when Blade Runner was filming outside of his office window. Cool, and it just like there was something about it, something about the presence of that movie that it got him thinking and wanting to to write this one. And shortly after, he like started the process of writing writing the script for this. So very cool. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Now. Music by Alan Silvestri. Of course. Just kidding. Just kidding. It wasn't okay. him. <laughs> I just feel like it's him all the time lately. In my head, I was like, I think it was someone else. But you know what? No, it probably was him. It was Alan. Yeah, of course it was him. He's just in all he's the, the movies. He's the only one who does so. movie in Hollywood, right? <laughs> or sorry. He's the only one who does music in Hollywood. It's it's not him. He does m- music for movies. You're, you're right. It's fine. I was right on both cases. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, no, no. This music done by Basil Polidurus. Now, this is the first time we're talking about this guy, but he's got actually a pretty decent resume. And my favorite work from him is easily the score for Conan the Barbarian. Uh, it is an incredible score. If you have not listened to that score, my goodness, dude. If you listen to the track Riders of Doom, when you're lifting weights, uh, 100% chance that your muscles will explode out of your body. That's just a fact. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna I'm writing that one down right now because I have not heard it, Tim. I would like my muscles to explode on my body. Yeah, no, like they they burst right out. Cool. And f- like splatter on the wall because you're lifting too much weight. It's just right, like, right. The music allows you to lift more than any human should be able to do. And then your muscles okay. just explode. So you're, Tim, you're telling me I'm going to move up from 15s to 20s? Yeah, you will. Cool. No, 15. You put that music on, you'll move up from 15 to like 150. <laughs> awesome. Now, Verhoeven initially read the first page of the script, called it a piece of shit, and threw it in the garbage. Uh-oh. That's an aggressive move. Like, aggressive. that must have been one real bad page. Yeah. I can't even imagine. Who who wouldn't even just get to the second or third page just to see what's going on? Wow. You're just like, this is so bad, I don't have to read anymore. He must have been having a pretty bad day. Maybe. Maybe he was, yeah. So the studio had to send him another copy of the same script and ask him to pay attention to the subtext. <laughs> And Verhoeven, he admitted the satire had to be explained to him. And even his wife wanted him to give it another chance, saying that he missed the soul of the story about someone losing their identity. Uh. So Verhoeven agreed to do it, but he wanted to direct it as a serious film. So writer Neumeyer showed him some mature comics he had, uh, Judge Dredd being one of them, and urged him to take the more comic book route with the movie. Okay. And Verhoeven refused. So Neumeier rewrote the script as Verhoeven wanted it. And after reading that rewritten script, Verhoeven admitted he was wrong and went back to the earlier draft with the comic book tone. Interesting. So I, I really appreciate that he would admit that he was wrong. Yeah. It was a bad call. It was he, a bad he call. Made a bad call. <laughs> We all do it. And he, he, it's, it's okay. He owns yeah. up to it, says he's wrong, goes back to the proper script. No one died for this bad call. No one died for this one. I don't think so. No. Now, Peter Weller plays Robocop slash Murphy Cop. Yeah. He was actually fired after filming had already begun because of his complaints with the suit. Uh, Weller had spent months ahead of time perfecting the walk for, mm. for the, ro- uh, the Robocop. He had like a, a walking instructor and all this stuff. A lot of effort went into that. And none of it was possible when the actual suit finally arrived, which was after filming had already started. So Weller would eventually, obviously, eventually be brought back mm-hmm. and he needed to learn a new walk. Interesting. And then he went on to lose three pounds a day in sweat. Wow. And be forced to take medication for insomnia during the entire filming. 
Wow. Jeez. I mean, so the, he he put it into this character. He nails the walk. He nails the movement. So knowing that that wasn't sort of what he had practiced, what he had prepared for, and he had to relearn that is just incredible. It is incredible. The movement is so uh, it's so much a part of that character, right? It's like when when we think oh, yeah. of Robocop, we think of the slow, methodical movements and the steps and the noises, and it just fits so well with his voice. And I'm sure he probably had to change that too if he had different movements for um, you know for how he was supposed to walk. So that's that's excellent. It's amazing that that walk isn't the one he worked three months on because totally. it looks like it's you know totally practiced. So, yeah, yeah, good. Good job, Peter. Now, Dean, I would like to chat about the ratings board really quickly. Uh, you know how much I love the idiots at rating boards. Yeah, dummies. They um, initially gave this movie the dreaded X rating. So it's a, um, it sounds like pe- a standard Verhoeven thing. I think he doesn't yeah, he always get the X rating, and he's like, "All right, I gotta yeah. pull it back." Yeah, we he talked likes, about this in our in our Total Recall app. Yeah, he likes his violence in his movies, right? He does, yeah. Now, the, the X rating meant that you had to be 17 years or older to see this movie. But the R rating was that you could be under 17 as long as you're accompanied by an adult. Okay. He recut the film eight times to get it down to an R rating. Now, this is the interesting part that I fully agree with. Verhoeven said he made the violence comical and surreal. And that the cuts made it more, not less violent. He said the X-rated version got more laughs and test screenings than the rated R version. And I completely agree with this assessment. I think there's at least one clip in here that they probably asked to get removed. That probably shows how the X-rated version was going to look. Right. And it is so over the top that yeah. it actually looks less violent than the other stuff. Because it's so excessive. Like it gets to the point where you're just like, well, that's too much. Like yeah. I'm not even, it's it almost like it gets a little bit silly in a way, very comic bookish. And that's what he was going for. So he was arguing, look, I'm trying to go for a comic book feel here. When you guys make me dumb it down, it actually makes it look more violent because the violence looks more realistic. But they're just like, well, whatever. No, 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 no. We just do too much, too much, too much blood, too much blood, cut it down. So I think the ratings board, like, did the wrong thing here and kind of like screwed themselves. Yeah. It's kind of like when we were talking about, uh, die hard and, uh, there's that scene where, uh, you know, Hans is, uh, trying to get the password. Um, like in, in the beginning, trying to get the password, you know, blows the guy's head off. And it's such a quick cut of the bullet going through the head. And then the blood spattering that it's actually more violent than if what they had at the beginning, but same thing, the ratings board needs to cut down the frames. As long as we cut down the frames of how much like blood is on the screen, then we can give it the rating we need. But that quick action and that quick blood splatter is actually worse. And and I agree with you. There's that one scene that is super, super violent and over the top. And you, it, it, it's this weird feeling when you're watching it because it's just so over the top and it just keeps going and going and going that it's like... Yeah. It is a strange feeling. It's like it's almost it's comical and especially characters reactions to it. And you're like, okay, well, I see I see what we're going for here. And I know that's why he kept that one in this in the movie. If we're allowed to keep one, I guess we keep that one because then it sets the tone. Exactly. And it moves past like the idea of it being believable, right? Yeah. Like if you just shoot someone one time in the head, that could be more disturbing 
than someone getting shot 60 times because it's just over the top, right? Your yeah. brain no longer processes it as something that's reality or possible because it's not, that's not possible, right? Yeah. So anyways, that's just, I, I like to take uh, any opportunity to uh, just j- throw a little jab at the ratings board, any, any type of ratings board, doesn't matter. Yeah. You like to vent you it f- out. You like to get it out. I like to vent on the rating boards. Yeah, you actually you started and your 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 face was red and there was actually mm. a little bit of steam coming out of your ears. But now mm. it, it looks like it's gone. You got your color back. No more steam. I think you're ready to continue on with this episode. I am. I'm ready. So with this movie, they just get right into it with this one. Oh, yeah. We're flying over a city. Then we see a news report of the disarray that the world is currently in. Yeah. Then they actually show us commercials. Now, this seemed like a really weird beginning uh, for me, but they really are doing a good job at setting the tone for this movie and showing you what this world that you're going to live in for the next couple of hours is all about. Totally. So I do it's, appreciate it's such, it. It's such a great job of world building, and it's such an easy way to do that is show us what we would be watching on TV in a world like this. Because we watch TV, we know that, you know, connect with us somehow. So we're watching these news reports, we're watching these commercials, and we already have a sense and a feel of what this world is without without anyone sort of directly telling us. Yes. Now, this is exactly the type of stuff that I did not understand as a kid. Oh, for sure. Which made this movie feel way too weird for me. Uh, way too weird for me to understand. It wasn't actually like the violence that got to me, it was these types of scenes because again, the violence didn't seem realistic. This stuff is weird and realistic and my little brain wouldn't process it. These were the scenes that made me feel most uncomfortable. Totally. Tim, you're nine years old and you're sitting in a hotel room with your buddies and you're ready to watch this movie where this guy's on the cover with this in this cool suit with this big gun and they start with a news, a newscast and some commercial, some fake commercials. It's like, what's yeah, going man. on? What is this movie? We learn a company named OCP or Omni Consumer Products has come to take control of the Detroit Police Department to help them better fight crime in the city. We meet Murphy. He's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> and he's, he's been tra- he's murphy cop he's been transferred to a new department he's a good looking guy uh he seems yep. very likable and friendly that's very mm-hmm. important he's got like this, yep. this he- happy glow about him like he could be friends with anybody for sure and he tim he's got a good jaw on him yeah oh well you need that's a good foreshadowing jaw. yeah nice nice yeah i uh i can't wait until later when you explain that one <laughs> <laughs> You won't see it coming. But yeah, no, I, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> we see a name tag of an officer is being removed from a locker. And that officer is dead, Dean. Yeah. So we know right away, this is going to be a movie where cops can get killed. And I mm-hmm. like when movies share boundaries like this early in the movie. I just feel like it helps the movie be more cohesive and just feel like a tight unit when I know that that's the way they're going to go. Yeah, and and in the scene they sort of explain like the procedures that happen now that a that a cop has been killed, and they use the word as usual in that. So now I also know that this happens all the time. This right. isn't just the first time someone they know has been killed. This is sort of a thing that is been going on. It's a dangerous world we're living in here. Yeah, we meet Lewis Murphy's new partner, and she beats the hell out of a guy um, who's causing trouble in the precinct. 
That was fun. Yeah, Lewis kicks ass. Lewis yeah, is awesome. She really does. And I already can feel Verhoeven's presence in this movie. Like, yeah. I just I just love this guy's aesthetic, like of the sets he makes, uh, the way he works the camera. It's all just very yeah. unique to him. I feel like you can just, you can show me, almost like show me a screen grab of a Verhoeven movie and I can tell it's Verhoeven. Mm. Yeah. It's something about the way he does stuff. Totally, yeah. And it just looks so nice and crisp. It's like this movie's from what 87 and yeah. it just like the blu-ray transfer is amazing like it, everything oh, looks man. so sharp yeah the transfer was really nice yeah so we're in an ocp board meeting now where we see that the ocp is moving their focus away from humanitarian projects back to the police force so they're actually going to take control of the police force yeah, and this is just this is just a big company. This is right. This is just like if Walmart decided that they're gonna provide products to the police, and then decided, oh, actually, we're gonna sort of take take charge of the police as well. Right. Exactly. Like they just they they produce products that people want, and they yeah. mention that they've already gotten into like these other humanitarian efforts, like hospitals yeah. and yeah. maybe schools or so, something like that. But now they're yeah. moving to the police department where there's no profit there's no profit in this they're just doing it right to like help out the city because there's plans to build something called delta city or new detroit and they want that to be free from crime and we later learn that their plans involved huge military contracts so there was most definitely like going to be profiting from this endeavor but at this point oh, you yeah. don't you don't know that yet yeah yeah so ocp president dick jones is unveiling the future of law enforcement, and that future is called Ed 209. I'm really surprised how memorable the character Ed is. For me, totally he's man. just as iconic as Robocop is. 100% Ed 209 is like just looks awesome, has kind of has some sort of personality as well. Yeah. Like this is, this is. 1A and 1B, the characters, like, you know, it's not even just 1 and 2. They're both the best character, like Robocop and Ed 209. They're so memorable. Yeah, the uh, the guy who designed Ed 209 based it off the combination of a fighter jet and a killer whale, which is exactly Whoa, yeah. what it looks like, a mix of. Yeah, he did a great job. Tim, if you heard that when you were a kid, wouldn't you just got so jacked? Oh, Yeah. Totally. The combination of a fighter jet and a killer whale. If there yeah. was like some sort of toy that looked like that, oh man, we'd be all over that. Well, it sounds like a killer transformer, yeah. It, totally, yeah. Now, he, uh, Ed 209's animated walk cycle leaves a little bit to be desired here, but I bet it looked completely real in 87. I love it. I like it. It's stop motion, right? I, I love yeah. it. I love that it is how it looks, how like jerky it looks, and how. I mean, it's a bit too rough. Like for right really? now, really, I it's very I dated. I kind of really dig it. Mm. Okay, well, you just you dig bad animation. That's fine. Maybe, maybe that's it. I'm a, I'm a big fan of stop motion, and so just when it pops up in like a movie where that and it's the only thing that is stop motion in that movie, it really stands out. So it really draws my attention. I think it's good looking stop motion. I understand that stop motion isn't like maybe you know the thing you want in the middle of this movie because it's the only thing that is stop motion but i dug it i dug it yeah it's got the harryhausen feel to it but uh i do remember it looking 
perfect when I saw it. Yeah. It's just like, wow, yeah. I can't believe that robot is walking all by itself and looks exactly totally, like yeah. how a robot yeah. would walk. But I'm just saying nowadays it's just it like really it's a, one of the holes in the movie is is that just kind yeah, of Yeah, I it. guess I guess maybe when I like watch back to something that's like bad CGI, then I'm like, oh, you know, that looks so bad. But when I look back to something that's like stop motion, I'm like, they put a lot of work into that thing. Like they yeah. put a lot of money and a lot of effort into making that thing move. So I appreciate it. I appreciate you. Yeah. So they want to do a demo of what Ed 209 can do. So they hand one of the guys in this boardroom a hand cannon, dude, a hand cannon. And they tell him to shoot at Ed. <laughs> so he does. Ed malfunctions, growls at the guy like a lion, which is a nice touch, yep. then blows the living shit out of this guy. What? This this is this is the X-rated scene we're talking about here. This is giant yes. chunks of yes. flesh are blasting off of this guy. And he just keeps getting shot over and over and over and over again. And oddly enough, though, this is not the goriest kill we even get in this movie. I know that's true, but it is it is one that really stands out because it's the first one of the movie. And like yeah. I said, it kind of sets the tone, you know, it's like all this blood and all these like big chunks blowing off this guy. You just like you, you, your breath, you know, you lose your breath because you're just like, oh, my goodness, like what is going on? What movie am I signed up for? I even forget, even though I've watched it a number of times in the last like couple of years, when I put it on and we get to that scene, it takes me by surprise every time. And then. You know, we're going to we're going to move on to it. But the reactions of everyone also set the tone of what type of movie this is. Well, it's a great setup because everybody's calm in the boardroom at first. And you're expecting this plan just to like happen and work out the way that that Dick Jones is explaining. For sure. Nobody's expecting this to happen. So when it does happen, yeah, it's like you're doubly caught off guard. Uh, first that it happened and then second that it doesn't stop happening and he just keeps shooting him. Yeah. Um, you're talking about the reaction, the reactions of the people in the room. Like everybody's freaking out. Is that what you mean? Well, everyone's freaking out. But when you, when you go over to like, I, I guess the guy's name's like the old man, when you go over to sort of the boss and he's talking to Dick Jones and he's like, I'm very disappointed, Dick. Like somebody is dead and blown away in your office right now. Like what is going on? Like show some more concern about the person at your board table who is now dead. Right. So the the, the people in the room are freaking out, yeah. but the corporate, like the three corporate entities yes. are not concerned. Yeah. Right. So no, they're they, just upset that their product malfunctioned. Well, a couple of them are upset about that. Yeah. Now, Ed 209's malfunction here was based on the writer Newmeyer's office daydreams about a robot bursting into a meeting room and killing everyone. Really? Wow. Yeah. So That's a serious dream this, right there. I think something really did go on with this guy at uh at Universal. Yeah, I've never had that dream before. No. That's uh man. What was that other movie that we were doing where the guy Oh, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. The guy got the idea for the movie standing in line, waiting in line at like a Walmart. And he looked over oh, yeah. and he saw the chainsaws. And he right. just, he conceived of like, if he could take a chainsaw and just cut through all the people in front of him so he could get to the front wow. of the line. Yeah. Wow. Eh? I don't, hey, man, do you have these, these thoughts are... d- during your day? No, I, I do don't. not. And you know what? 
That's why we don't write movies. That's why we don't direct movies. Um, we don't have ideas like this. We've tried. We've tried to write comics and movies, and they just don't fly because we're mm. not uh, messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, Bob Morton, the vice president of OCP, sees his opportunity to move up the ladder after this small glitch, as President Dick Jones called it. I small love glitch. I love that. That's very classic that he calls it a small glitch. Yes. Morton tells the old man, who's the CEO of OCP, about the RoboCop program. The old man likes the sound of it and wants to give it a shot. Now we go back to Murphy and Lewis, and they're in pursuit of a group of criminals. And at this point, dude, this movie could not feel more like a comic book. Just everything oh, that's yeah. going on so far, this has got such a comic book feel. Definitely. And it's just like the first time we encounter criminals here and they're trying their hardest to kill the cops. It's like the very first time we see criminals, they're just freely opening fire, trying to kill them, like just like it's normal. So it's fun because it makes it feel like a comic book and it's more of this, like, this is what this world is. So get yeah, used definitely to it. like right away, right away when they're chasing them before they even see anybody in the back of that van, like Murphy's getting his guns ready. He's getting his helmet on. He's going to be leaning out the side of his car with his guns already ready because that's the world it is. Like he knows that he, we're not just pulling this van over and having a chat. Like he knows that that back door's opening and people are going to be firing on him. Yeah, exactly. Murphy and Lewis are able to follow this crew into a warehouse and Murphy drops his great line here. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. It's a great Classic line. line, man. He gets caught. And this scene ruined me when I saw it as a yeah, kid. This was I can see that, man. <laughs> ultra disturbing. The way Kurtwood Smith's character, uh, Boddicker, Boddicker, right? Yeah. The way, the way he's acting is so off-putting to me because of the joy he's taking in the situation. It's like everything's Dude. like everything's a game to him, and he's happy. It's just, that's some of the most disturbing stuff. Again. Yeah, the violence is like a little bit over the top, but I think it's so over the top that it's not even believable. But then you throw in these weird scenarios with these corporations, what's going yeah. on in the news, a guy who's behaving like this, like a, a clear sociopath. These are the things that were difficult to watch as a kid. Yeah, totally. Like we, we've talked about uh, Robocop and Ed 209 being memorable. But if we're talking about like best acting performance, for me, that's Kurtwood Smith. Oh, like for sure in this movie. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely crushes this very strange villain. Like you said, it's very off-putting. Um, I think the fact that he's in that 70s show and is like Eric's dad just makes it even better now. It makes it even better when we put that movie in and see him being so weird. Uh, it's I love this guy. It's It's one of those characters where... I just want to see him on the screen. You know, every time he pops up on the screen, I'm excited that he's back and he's going to be doing his super weird, joyous, but also like he's kind of a nerd. Like, I don't know what this guy is, but it's 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 a choice and it's fantastic. The way he delivers his lines in this movie are oh. just unreal. I don't even know, like, I love him, what his motivation is, but it's such a great character. I love this character. Me too. And as as I was as I was watching it, I was like, this guy reminds me of someone, and it was Bill Hader. I feel like Bill Hader, oh, whenever he's doing anything, he's doing this character. Ah, that's 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 a good call, man. Watch I it like again that. with that in mind, and there's just like times where it's like that is exactly what Bill Hader does in right. this in this type of situation. Right. Yeah, nice. I like that. So Boddicker blows Murphy's hand off with a shotgun. 
Then he blows off his entire arm. And then this crew shoot him at least another 30 times. He's somehow not dead yet, though. And they do one more in the head to violently end things. Yeah. Man. Graphic. It's graphic. It's rough. Um, I, on the um, director's commentary for this one, uh, Verhoeven says he wanted to have, I think he said like 30 to 40 seconds of blackness after this happened just to let it sit in where everyone's just sitting there like 30 seconds in a movie just being black is a long time and just to think like what's going on our hero just died um i think it's more like five seconds in the movie um because i think that they pulled that back but could you imagine if there was just 30 seconds of like dark screen right now you'd be it'd be very affecting yeah it sure would be yeah i wouldn't have minded it like i we talk about just like needing to catch your breath after stuff like that. 30 seconds, a bit too long, but maybe 10 or 15. I could see that. Totally. 15 would have been really perfect, I think. Um, I understand a studio being like, no, you don't need any blackness at all. Like, just cut it all back. But I mean, come on, like just 15 seconds would have been a lot more impactful than I think it was with just the five or whatever it is. Yeah. So Murphy's dead and the OCP now have their candidate for the Robocop program. They start putting it together and we're seeing, we're seeing things from Robocop's point of view here as they're like, they're building him. Mm, yeah. And we can see that it's aware of what's going on. It keeps coming like in and out of whatever consciousness, I guess, yeah. uh, but it's not up and running yet. So I think it's cool that they showed us like that aspect of, of him kind of like getting, getting life and they have a really neat filter on the camera that makes it look like RoboCop sees things differently than we do. And I'm not only just talking about like the heads up display that shows text, like he's like reading things in text and, and stuff like yeah. that. But there were these vertical lines that actually went across the screen that I feel like this is the type of stuff that we, we would take for granted nowadays because we see stuff like this so often. It's just become like second nature for our brains to process that. But I do know that back when I saw it, this was a very effective way for them to get across that this was no longer a man. We were no longer totally. seeing things through the eyes of a man. This was something different. Uh, so I, I appreciate that they would do that. And it's uh, it's interesting how stuff like that is lost because, yeah, I don't, I don't know why. But just, you know, like movie magic over the years, you just get used to certain things. Certain techniques don't work anymore. But I remembered at the time, I was like, okay, this is definitely very interesting. Yeah, and I think the scenes that are playing out during this time are also just there to um, sort of nail that in for us that he is not a person. He is a robot, like especially um, uh, Bob um, going Bob up like them. Yeah, them telling them telling him that uh, they saved his arm or hand or whatever they said. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, that's no, I said nothing like I don't want any part of him. So it's. When you see him like dead and being put on like the uh, when he when he's in the stretcher and they're trying to revive him, you're like, what's going on? He's dead. And then they put him in the Robocop program. So you're like, OK, they're bringing him life back. And I think this moment where they say they saved the arm and Bob's like, no, 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 get rid of that is is when I'm thinking, OK, you know, it's not to bring back a man. It's to do bring a robot it's to have yeah. a product it's, it's to, to create do a machine. what your company yeah create a machine do what your company wants we're not saving a man here we're creating a robot you're basically you're creating ed 209 in the form yeah. of a human 
probably to yeah. make people feel more comfortable with totally. a human robot walking around rather than a killer whale fighter jet. Yeah, but we are we are th- that's actually that's that's really true. Like he is covered the whole suit is covered in like this this suit, this machine and they don't even want to save his arm. Like it is all machine and all we need to see of him is a jaw to yeah. think that it's a man, right? right? To think that it's a man under there. And it's just for looks. It's just for the people to think that there's a man under that helmet and under that suit. I never thought of that. That's amazing. Like that it's just more acceptable. It's Ed 209, but more acceptable for us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So Rob- Robocop is finally brought online and the OCP are very excited. And we get to hear Robocop's menacing footsteps and we catch a quick glimpse of him, which is really cool. Oh, they just, they don't they even let you see it his, out. Oh, they, yeah. They, we see his back just as he's kind of walking yep. away. Oh man. So good. Such a good way to do it. We first seem like fuzzy behind some like glass that you can't really see yeah. through. Then you see his back. It's just a great tease because honestly, the suit rules. Like I think this guy looks oh, awesome. So dude, I this love Robocop the tease. Design? It just makes me like, oh, Yeah. Oh, I just want like show me the whole thing on screen. Like I just it it the tease is so good. It just sets it up for me. Even nowadays, like this this could be a design that comes oh, yeah. out tomorrow, and I'm I'm yeah. thinking that looks amazing. Like excellent sure. job. Yeah. So they run some quick tests to make sure RoboCop is functioning properly, and we see that RoboCop's prime directives are to serve the public trust, protect the innocent, and uphold the law. But then we also see that there's a fourth directive that's classified. And I really like that idea. That's a real neat touch. Now, classic bathroom scene here where Vice President Bob Morton is talking smack about President Dick Jones. And Dick Jones is taking a dump in the stall. Yeah, man. And he hears everything that Morton is saying. And dude, I love I love the guys in the background of the bathroom here who know they already know that um, Dick Jones is in the stall and they're all like rushing and hurrying to get out of the bathroom before Dick Jones comes out and like lights this guy up. It's very funny. I just, I love those guys. I love those guys. And I love the guy that, uh, that Bob Morton's talking to who like has to zip up real quick and tease himself (laughs) a little bit. It's like, that is such a, is that not just like, maybe it's just me, but that is such a fear. That I will have gone to the bathroom and I will leave a mark and have to go back to work with that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's just like you always just make sure like that cannot happen. So this guy just zips up so quick. He's got this huge puddle on his pants and he has to go back to work. I I, thought it was so funny. You just say you you splash some water on yourself by accident when you're washing your hands. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, I was was washing my hands. Splash water there. Yeah. Yeah. um, I love that. I love that trope, though, where there's somebody taking a dump. And then there's yes. somebody on the other side talking about them and they can I hear it. it. It's it's always good. It's always a fun time. You think movies. that's the thing that's kind of the thing about bathrooms. You think you're safe, but yeah. like there's people in stalls. You kind of don't think they exist, right? When you're in a bathroom, you're just like, I, they, there's nobody anywhere else right. except for what I can see. Right. It's, I love it. It was, it was so funny. Yeah. So Jones comes out and he's obviously pissed off because Morton is being very disrespectful, but even yeah. more so he's pissed off because he said that, he had military contracts lined up for 25 years because of this Ed 209. And Morton's Robocop program has screwed that up for him. So that's there why he's go. really pissed off. Yep, there you go. So that's the long game for the corporation 
with this ed 209 slash slash robocop well robocop program not so much but the pro the the plan with the ed 209 were these military contracts yeah That's, that's what they tell us in the movie so uh it's not actually about cleaning up the city it's about making money which makes sense and for this Tim, greedy corporation. Nobody, nobody's surprised. Tim, did we really believe them at the beginning that they wanted oh, to clean no, up no, the city? Oh, no, no, we, we didn't. No. no way. I'm yeah. just sharing the story with everybody. Yeah. We didn't yeah. buy it for a second. Not for a second. We know these guys. We know what they want. Yeah, we know. This greedy little corporation. We know these guys. Now, Robocop starts having dreams and memories while offline. Mm. So this is not only interesting... But a major theme in the movie is that yep. Robocop, is he all machine or is he still part human? Like, does he still have a soul? Um, I feel like at this point in the movie, they really start to lean into it too. Because Robocop runs into one of the guys from the gang that killed him. And it causes him to start to have memories and flashbacks. Yeah. So he quickly like goes back to the uh, the precinct and hacks into the police database for more info. And he finds all the guys from this bad guy crew, and he finds out that they killed Alex J. Murphy. So he heads to the Murphy residence to try to get more info. And Mm. while the house is abandoned, every room he goes into, he's getting like flashbacks and memories from it. Yeah. It's a cool scene. Um, I I like what we're building here. I like that we are building that man versus machine. You know, there's a little bit of uh, sort of Frankenstein's monster in here um, where he's just kind of put together and he just doesn't know why he exists, but he just exists. And so I like that he's sort of coming, um, you know, his his brain's starting to fire there and he's thinking, you know, who am I? Who's this Murphy? People have called me Murphy. You know, Lewis ran into him in the hall and had called him Murphy. So he's starting to put together that this guy named Murphy has died. And he's being called Murphy. Right. So like he's, he's trying to put it all together and he's getting these memories. It's just, I, I like it. It's a little bit of a slowdown in the movie. And this movie is short. This movie is, you know, just gets it done. You know, it takes care of business. So I like that we slow down a bit here to have this moment um, to sort of build this up so that we can pay it off later. Yeah, for sure. Now, in a bit of a twist that I wasn't expecting, Boddicker kills Vice President Bob Morton for President Dick Jones. I was not expecting that at all. That just kind of happened out of the blue. But that's just corporate justice, dude. That's all it is. Don't talk trash in the in the can. In in the don't (laughs) don't talk trash in the washroom. Don't do it. Or 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 this is what happens. Yeah. Right? If you talk trash in the washroom, you never know who's in someone else's pocket. You know, you never know what type of killer is in someone else's pocket that they will sick on you. Um, I think this scene is really cool. I find it really funny um, because yeah, it, was, it was great. Great scene. Yeah. Because, um, you know, Boddicker is in there. Um, he's going to do the killing. He's shot out um, sort of Morton's knees and legs so he can't move. Yeah. And then he he plays like a video, which is Dick Jones talking to Bob Morton. (laughs) Yeah. And then he puts a grenade that's timed on a table. And then the video plays out. And then the explosion happens right after the video. Like they had to have like choreographed this. They had to have planned when you're supposed to pull the pin on the grenade, when you put it on the table, because it ends so perfectly that it's like just such a dramatic moment that it's not... 
that it's not someone in person talking to him, but it's a video. It's like, this was actually really well thought out. It wasn't just like, go kill him and then play this video. He must have played this video for himself and just like practiced. Boddicker must have been like, okay, I got to practice. I got to put the grenade on the table at this point with 10 second countdown. So it blows up right after he says his final line. It's great. I love it. And knowing Boddicker, he 100% did this for real on members from his own crew. He probably, who knows how many of his own crew he killed because he had them yeah. play the role of Morden. And he's just like, oh, I effed that one up. Sorry, we got to try it again. Like, next guy, come down, come down. Yeah, I could totally see him doing pin, that. He takes the pin out with his mouth. So I think that's, again, something that he was, like, workshopping. You know, it's like, okay, if I take it out with my finger, no, maybe I'll take it out behind the back. No, you know what? I think just with my mouth is the best. That's the coolest. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know Kurtwood Smith, he, uh, like, brought a few ideas and suggestions to uh, the role. I think the fantastic the spitting of blood uh, that happened a couple times was all his idea. Yeah. He's just like, what if I spit nice. blood here? And the uh, Verhoeven's just like, yeah, yeah, man. Yes, let's dude. Let's do that. Yes. <laughs> let's do that. Yeah. And that, that works. So that's so in his character. It's so perfect. Yeah. He does something later that is one of the weirdest things I've seen in a movie. So when we get to it, I got to ask you if, if you know if he did that or not. Okay, sure. So Robocop breaks in on the bad guys at their headquarters as they're making a big deal, big drug deal. And he this takes the moment. He takes out everyone. Okay, what what do you what's your question? Kerwin Smith puts his fingers in wine. Oh yeah, puts rubs in his some nose. other dude's wine and he just smells it. <laughs> he like rubs it on his I love <laughs> Kurtwood Smith here, dude. He I this scene. I watched this scene yeah. over and over again. Because of the way yeah. he's delivering this line, I I just this is this is him. He's like he's talking to that uh, that other drug guy. He's like, yeah, come on, Sal, Tigers are playing tonight. <laughs> I never miss a game, and like he, so he at first he's so intense, and by the end of it, he's completely calm, and it's just so weird. It's such a weird way to like deliver lines or to act. If someone yes. was acting this way in front of me, I would definitely feel uncomfortable. I'd just be like, I'm totally. not quite sure that this guy's all there. Like, I don't, people don't behave like this. So it's, it's very strange, but I mean, man, is he ever doing a good job? And that line that he delivers there is how he wins that power struggle. Like yeah. after that, he has won. Like yeah, he's, he's like, I'm crazier struggle. than you are. Yes. And the way the power struggle starts is that he sits down, he puts his fingers in the other guy's wine glass. Yeah. Smells it. The other guy then picks up the wine and drinks it. So that is the power struggle. You know, right. he's like, okay, I'm going to stick my fingers in your wine. And the other guy's like, I don't even give a shit. I'm going to drink it anyways. Right. So it's like right away, they're going back and forth. And then it ends with that amazing line that he delivers and he just wins it. It's a great scene. I could have watched those two guys talk for like another 30 minutes. Totally. That scene is popping, man. So good. Yeah. Unfortunately, Robocop like blasts through the door. Yeah. Yeah. He, he ruins the scene and it comes in and starts scene, shooting everybody. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he kills everybody. Uh, only uh, yeah. only Boddicker's left. And he's about to kill. He's about to kill him. But Boddicker tells him that he's a cop and he, he can't do it. He can't kill. And Robocop kind of like snaps out of the, the rage mode that he was in. And right. he realizes that, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. I am. I am a cop. So during all that, Boddicker also gave up Dick Jones uh, in the process of right. trying to stay alive. Um, yeah. He said that Dick Jones is actually in control of the their crew and the drugs. Yeah, and I like how in this confrontation, um, I don't know if it's happened before, but this is when I noticed it. 
that his directives pop on the screen when he's about to break them. So like he had Boddicker, Robocop had Boddicker by the throat and he was like choking him. And then it popped up on the screen, like obey the law. And then he released the choke. So I, I, I like that idea. Again, it's going to come into play in in, a, in one scene actually. Um, but I, I like that that pops up, reminds us that he is this machine and he has to obey the the commands that have been programmed into him. But why, why wasn't he obeying those earlier? Like... I guess I wonder what those, where the where the fine line in, in those moment, command is, right? I guess it's because the guy he didn't have to kill him. He had he was yeah. he had no gun. He was unarmed. He could have just taken him in for justice. So his uh, yeah, I think if he kills up. him in that moment, it is not obeying the law. Right. Um. He's he's a, he's able to shoot the other the other guys in there because they are shooting at him. Like they right. they are trying to kill him. Um. So that that's why he's allowed to retaliate there. But uh. You know, uh, Boddicker had no weapon at that point. He was just getting roughed around. He was giving up information. And uh, to choke him out at that moment would have been not obeying the law, I think. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So Robocop goes to arrest Jones now. Dick Jones, but he can't. Because Prime Directive 4 kicks in and won't allow him to arrest a senior officer of OCP. Damn, dude. That is nicely played by Jones. Just sneak that, that directive in there. Yes. Perfect. Perfect. And that makes so much sense. That's such great writing in this in this story that the totally. bad guys put a fail safe in like his product to make sure he's safe. I love that. I love I love that it yeah, it goes like even one level up from, you know, Bob who right. this is his baby, this is his project. It goes one level up to the president who's put this directive in. He still knows what's going on. He still has control over all yep. these things. So he puts that one in. Um and so he's got the upper hand. But also uh a great a great acting job in this in this from Wellers. Like like this is him just like not being able to move and sort of like breaking down. It's so robotic. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a good scene. This is hard. I feel like this is very hard to pull off and look good. And I think it looks pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So Jones brings out Ed 209 to destroy Robocop. And the two of them go at it. And it's yeah, they awesome. Do. What did you think of this scene? I thought, uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic. This is what I want. You know, when I see Ed 209 right at the beginning and then he's kind of gone from memory um, and then you have all this Robocop stuff, I want that to be a showdown coming up. You know, I I want them to face off and see what sort of the better, uh, the better machine is, you know, that this, that this corporation has created. So I was, I was pumped for it. I I wasn't disappointed. Again, I, I didn't think it looked bad because I was, you know, used to what Ed 209 is, how he moves in, in these moments. So uh, it was, it was good. And I kind of really dig how it concluded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Ed, Ed doesn't know how to walk downstairs. He doesn't know how to walk downstairs, Nobody which is so. Nobody programmed him with that. It was so funny on my on my current watch because my wife, the first time Robocop got to um like encountered stairs, she asked me if he knows how to walk upstairs, and I was like, well, yeah, of course he knows how to walk upstairs. So then we get to this moment where it's Ed Two Hundred Nine having to walk <laughs> downstairs, and Can't he's just like, he's not sure. He kind of puts like this isn't this is great animation. It's funny. Yeah, that it he's was funny. sort of like it was funny. 
It's almost like a dog, you know, or some sort of pet, just yeah. like trying something He's out and not out. really sure, testing it out, not really sure, and then takes a step down the stairs, but like bails. his feet is just too big. Too so big. he just falls down the stairs and then throws like some sort of temper tantrum at the bottom <laughs> of the stairs. It's so funny. I'm laughing out loud at this point. I like that this big showdown ends in comedy. Like, again, yeah. it sets the tone for this movie. We're not we're not dead serious about this thing. Like, this thing is satire. And if you if you don't see that, that's okay, because it's a cool action movie but if you see it you just die laughing in a moment like this yeah and we haven't brought up much of the humor in this movie but there is a lot of humor and i yeah. find it's coming from robocop's character but it's not coming it's not forced it's all natural it's just the way that he's talking to people as a mm -hmm. robot is is kind of light and fun and it's it's really good to just kind of like settle all the action down a little bit um, and just make things a little bit more soft, just a little bit more, yeah. you get a little bit, you get comforted a little bit when Robocop's like making jokes, um, but he's not intending on doing it. He doesn't know he's doing it, but just the things that he's saying are kind of funny. Yeah. Robocop gets away from Ed, but Jones has given the order for the police to now destroy Robocop. Mm -hmm. And Robocop gets gunned down by the police. But he's just, man, he fights like a champ here. He uh, he probably takes 300 shots, but is able yeah. to get away and finds Lewis and is able to get some help from Lewis. So I yeah. like that they bring Lewis back back at this point. Definitely, because uh, Lewis rocks. Like, we love Lewis up to this point. So it's so nice to see her back in the movie. Yeah. Now, Murphy is hiding out with Lewis and he takes his, or she helps him take his mask off. And he sees that he is the body of Murphy, whatever's left. Yep. Like he's, he's the whole head of Murphy and he wants to know what happened to his family. He says he can still feel them, but he can't remember them. So I like that because maybe he's lost his mind, but he still has a soul. And I believe, I believe he asks what happens, what happened to Murphy's family. I think he is still talking about Murphy as someone else, even though he knows, he knows he's Murphy. He's still talking about Murphy as this cop who died. And he is, he has sort of Murphy's body. Right. But I mean, he, he looked in the mirror, so he sees that he looks just like Murphy here. So he's got to know he's Murphy. That's why he took, I think that's why he, you're right. I think that's why he took the helmet off. He knows he's Murphy and then he wants to know what happened sort of to, yeah, the family. He went into that house, right? So he wants to know why wasn't the family there? When he went into that house, I don't think he knew who Murphy was. He's yeah. just trying to get information. But here when he, when they take, they take his mask off and Lewis didn't even know it up until that point, right? When she takes it off, she sees that it's Murphy and she's like, oh, oh, wow, you're Murphy. Yeah. Well, she had called him Murphy before, but wasn't sure. Like she, she thought it was Murphy. Right. Right. Um, but yes. And this helmet taking off part, this, this face looks amazing. Yeah. I don't even understand this face, Tim. Like this, he has his face with the skin and then like the back of the helmet or not even the helmet, the back of his head that's all circuitry is like smaller. So it, like they, they some, it looks like it is a person's face stretched out onto a machine. And this is what freaked me the fuck out as a kid. Mm -hmm. yeah, I was so freaked out. And even watching it now, it looks so, it looked, just looks so good. Looks so wild. Like they actually stretched out face onto that, onto that machine. It's a movie magic. 
amazing effects. Now, Boddicker reluctantly agrees to go after Robocop, and Jones gets him some military-grade guns to help out. And boy, dude, does that crew love these guns. They just start blowing the shit out of the entire block. And this was hilarious. This is definitely more of that comic book feel. Like this whole scene, this whole scene where they get the guns and are just shooting stuff, that could be pulled right out of a comic book. Like that was just like I was reading pages of a comic. Very funny. Yeah. These guns are ridiculous. Um, the, the big car in this movie is the, what is it? The, the 6,000 sucks, the 6,000 SUX. Yeah. Um, and, uh, Boddicker, the, the leader of the group has one, but then like one of his henchmen shows up with one because he stole it. So the first thing that Boddicker does with this gun is blow up his henchman's car. Cause he wants to be the only one who has the, uh, the 6,000 SUX. And so you can tell on just... Boddicker's face how pissed off he is that oh, this yeah. other guy has the same car as him. Yeah, he immediately goes, so he immediately goes into the back of the car and to get a gun. And I'm thinking, is he just going to shoot this guy? Because this guy showed up with a, a car just like his. But no, these guns are so powerful that he can just blow up the car with it. These guns are ridiculous. They're so gigantic. I actually, you, you said it already, like Robocop took like 300 bullets. You know, he had a he had a shootout with Ed 209 and then all the police like were shooting him and, and he's fine. So it takes something like this. It takes them to pull out these these guns, these huge guns where I'm like, okay, you know what? That could do the trick on him. So I, I actually am a little worried of what's going to happen in the end of this movie. Oh, exactly. Like they've, oh, I yeah. just, I'll say two things. First, the, f- like you would think that, when Boddicker blows up this guy's brand new awesome car, that he'd be upset. He didn't yeah. care at all about the car. He was no. fascinated by the gun. It's not even like, it wasn't even like, dude, why'd you blow up my car? It's just like, can I see that gun? Yeah. After the, his car gets blown up. And then he just starts shooting buildings with it. They're all so like insane. It's hilarious. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's another great point is that they've already made Robocop vulnerable in this movie. Like, yeah, he he's super powerful. He's way more powerful than a human is, but he's not completely invulnerable. So introducing weapons like this and giving that whole crime crew, they each get one, that is easily enough to stop Robocop. So for sure. Uh, very, very, very good there that they that they kind of set that all up. Now, Boderick and his crew show up to where Robocop is hiding out, and we get this kind of real great final battle scene. Um, you got the, the one guy who smashes into the, uh, into the container of toxic waste and dude, that looked disgusting in HD and Dean, I'm sure you were just loving it. Just loving this disgusting character. I loved it, man. And like his, okay, here's what I really loved. His hands. So he's got like his hands have melted away. You know, he's got these like flipper things and they cut away from him pretty quickly and i was like oh really that's all we're gonna get oh so no when they revisited <laughs> him i was like oh yeah let's go give me more gross stuff i don't know what it is i like gross stuff now tim he wobbles into one of his own crew guys leon and this oh, leon guy goodness. it's so good he just freaks out he's like don't touch me man and just pushes him away he's like the, the line he delivered was just so it it's, was so strange. It's perfect. It is perfect. It's like you're expecting him to be just like, oh, get away from me. But it's just like exactly what you would say if this guy came upon you and was like trying to grab you. Uh, it was very He's realistic. Melting. Mm. He's melting in front of your eyes. Yeah. And then Boderick drives right into him 
and this dude's oh. body just explodes, man. It just he explodes. He just turns into fruit punch. He's just liquid. The wi- the windshield of the car is so covered in fluid from the hit that Boddicker yeah. turns on the wipers and it doesn't even do anything. It's like all it does is reveal another layer of fluid underneath that one. It's like, <laughs> I've, I don't even know how they pulled that off. Like in the so movie, gross. how does a wiper yeah. go? But it doesn't do anything. It's just covered in liquid already again. It is amazing. It must have been so thick. So oh, thick, whatever they put dude, on there. So, oh, man. It's so disgusting. So awesome. It's disgusting. I, lo- I love that. Everybody loves I love that it. Scene. I love I love it. I love that they went back to him so many times and have him just explode into liquid when he gets hit by a car. I oh love that he's so the gross. guy. He's the guy through the movie yeah. that RoboCop has the most encounters with. Yeah, I think he bumps yeah. into this guy three times. And who gets to kill him? He gets killed by his own dude. Like, Boderick is yeah, the man. one to wipe this guy out. I just think it's so funny. It's such a fun... If you actually think about it, it's a really funny thing. Because um, RoboCop had a chance to kill this guy, but was kind of, like, f- like phased by his memories and never gets the chance to do it. Yeah. And then it's... Here we are at the end. He gets killed by his own guy. I love it. I just think it's so smart and funny. He crashes his own car into that toxic waste. Like, it is almost yeah. all his fault. Like, Robocop shot at him to mess up the windshield, but he crashes his own car into there, and then he gets hit by his own his own boss. And earlier in the movie, he, like, something happens when he's pumping gas in his car, and he, like, breaks oh, yeah. the, the fluid, and there's gasoline shooting all, all over the place. Like, this guy, yeah. he's just, like, a terrible henchman. <laughs> like yeah, the, he's bad. He's, yeah. It's, I love it. I love it. Great it's guy. Great. great actor, too. He did a great job. Yeah. So it's down to RoboCop and Lewis versus Boddicker and his number one, Leon. Leon drops a pile of steel on RoboCop. Lewis counters by blowing him up. Boddicker shoves a steel bar through a trapped RoboCop's chest. And RoboCop counters by sticking his middle finger key through Boddicker's neck. I love how fast this final four fight goes down. For sure. It's just boom, 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 boom. 30 seconds, we're done. I love it, Tim. I know this this movie is like an hour 35, hour 37. I think it comes in once uh, the the final credits start rolling. And we're at like 120 at this point. And like right before this fight starts. And I'm thinking like, I thought this movie was 137. How are we going to wrap this up so quick? Boom, 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 done. I love it. Done. Don't waste any time. And also, Robocop gets to kill him with like a USB key. He mm. gets to kill him with like his data drive. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's fantastic. That was awesome. Yeah. Now, Lewis is injured and she says she's a mess. And Robocop says, they'll fix you. They fix everything. How much I love does that this line. fucking line hit you? I love it. Oh, my God. I don't goodness. even get it, but I love it. It's like, has he just turned? Has he realized at this point, like, they made him something th- that they saved him or made him something better than he once was? I don't I don't know. Because we haven't gotten anything human out of RoboCop yet. This is almost yeah. like his first human moment where he says, don't worry, they can fix you because they can fix anything. I, I love it. It's great. I think, uh, Tim, I think it's like a joke. I think it's like him saying like, oh, just look at me. They fixed me. But like they didn't really, they just gave him, they just put his face on like a robotic body. And now he's got all these like struggles he's working with, having all these memories and trying to remember his family and his family's gone. He's not uh, the person he used to be. They brought him back, but he's not the person he used to be. And he's just like, 
yep, that company, they'll fix anything. I think he's making a joke. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, yeah. it, it hits me. Whatever it is, yeah. when he delivers that line, it is just, it's money. It's perfect. Yeah, it's money. So Robocop heads back for Jones now. And Ed 209 is guarding the property. Robocop pulls out the military-grade artillery and blows up Ed. And we get a real nice misdirection here where we see Ed walking towards Robocop still after the gunfire. But as the camera pans out, we just see that it's Ed 209's legs just walking, which I really like. That's really cool. Really good. It does a little dance and then it falls over. Um, I really like that he... Uh, is able to just absolutely annihilate Ed 209 with that gun because it really shows us that like, okay, if he was able he to be shot destroyed. with that gun, he was done. He, w- he was yeah. in bad shape in that fight, but he yeah. won it because he was better than them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we were talking about that. Like these guns are, they've already yeah. made us believe these guns are enough to kill him. So, but it is a yeah. nice touch. To sh- it's, it's a good way to, to put out, it's a good way to quickly put down Ed. Like you're saying that the movie's For already sure. coming yeah. to an end. We've already seen them fight. We don't need another battle. He's got the gun. Just no. do it. It's it's a great call. Don't need another throwdown. We're, we're like making time right now. You know, we got to yeah. hit that hour 30 mark. It's like, boom, he's done. We've already had, the, we've already had the fight. Yeah. So Robocop walks in on Dick Jones and uh, the OCP board. And plays some incriminating footage of Jones saying he's going to kill the old man. Robocop can't kill Jones, though, because Jones is on staff with the company. So the old man fires Jones, eliminating Directive 4 from Robocop and allowing him to finally kill Dick Jones. Dude, that is perfect. And the end. It's so perfect. What a great ending. Thank you. Shoots him. So good, Tim. The greatest ending, though, the great part of the ending is the old man saying, That was some nice shooting, son. What's your name? He turns Murphy. Murphy. Boom. Cut to black. Done. Cut to Robocop, actually. Cut to the title Robocop. And we're done with the movie. The last line of the movie Murphy. This guy is Murphy Cop. He's He's not Robocop anymore. He's Murphy Cop now. I love this. I love that he's he's figured it out for himself. You know, he's he's accepted that even though he isn't the man he used to be, he is Murphy. He's still Murphy. Still Murphy. And he's going to be Murphy. He's going to be Murphy now. He's still Murphy now. That's right. Even though he doesn't quite have the same feelings that he had before. He knows he's different, but he's accepted it. So good. Um, it is good. And I, I just to back up like just a tiny bit, I really like what they bring back with um Dick Jones, who has already told um who's already told like Kurtwood Smith's character that don't say anything to this guy. He's a computer. He'll record it and play it back to incriminate you. And then Dick Jones does it. Like he says all the stuff right to right. Robocop's face, which he comes back, brings it back, and incriminates him with. So it just shows you like that the villain will will be the dumb one in the end. You know, if they're making mm-hmm. dumb choices along the line, it's gonna come up and catch them. It's gonna it's gonna um, it's gonna be the thing that ends them. So I loved bringing that back up. I I just love this whole final scene. You're fired. Thank you. Yeah, I love the final I love scene. It. I love the whole movie. Um, I just I really like the pacing that they had in this movie. How quickly yeah. they progressed the movie. Um, they packed a whole bunch of stuff in it, but it was still fun. There's lots of characters that they're digging into. They're they're really digging into three different storylines. You've got Robocop and Lewis, the good guys. You've got um, Boddicker and his crew, 
the like the the feet on the ground criminals and you've got the the morden and the jones like the higher up ceos and as fast as this as this movie's going they take time to develop all three of these storylines and they intertwine yeah. all three of these storylines and it all makes sense like nothing is out of place nothing doesn't make sense it's a really tight script i'm really it's impressed tight, yeah. by the script seeing it like kind of again for the first time here as an adult really I, I was not expecting to be as impressed with this movie as i was on this viewing so uh really great job super tight super cohesive film i give yeah, it i, I mean, give it a high five I oh yeah I would give it Tim I would give it a high ten Kate Dean yes. the writer Newmeyer after this he was hired as a United States Air Force consultant for futuristic concepts wow that's the job he lands after this script isn't that amazing that is amazing what a great story like I thought you know maybe he made a mistake not taking that corporate yeah. job obviously he knew something we didn't know but his passion yeah. for this project lands a job what a strange job that even is united states totally. air force consultant for futuristic concepts that's amazing i don't know uh the other thing i wanted to say robocop was released on vhs in early 1988 at a price of 89 dollars and 98 cents now we've talked about well this. Worth it. We, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well worth it. Well we talked about it. this on the Die Hard episode. When yeah. VHS has come out, not a lot of people remember this, but when VHS movies came out, they cost this much money. This is yeah. what it cost. Now, this movie is estimated to have made an additional $24 million in VHS sales. Wow. So half of it's like that's huge theater take in VHS. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. That is huge. That is huge. That's, that's amazing that, that VHS w were so much money then, you know, know. like people were buying remember, them. Yeah. I remember as like a 10 year old, 12 year old, I'd go to garage sales and buy like VHS tapes for like a buck, you know? Oh yeah. Um, like Tim, or cheaper, I'd buy that for cents. a dollar. Hey, nice. I'd buy Robocop at a, at a garage sale nice. for a dollar. I'd Give buy me that those for a wild googly eyes that that guy had. <laughs> I'd buy that for a dollar. That guy was creepy, man. Yeah, I know. Jeez. And I think he was always talking about sex. So, oh, probably. Um, I, I was buying VHSs, VHS tapes. Yeah. Okay. All right, dude. Well, let's get to what if. What if they remade this movie with Verhoeven's original concept to make this a serious film? So what if this is remade into a pure sci-fi drama, more in the vein of Blade Runner or Gattaca or something like that? Um, no, no, thank you. Um, not, not Verhoeven's strengths to me. Like Verhoeven... You think of the two I love, you know, as well as Robocop, but um, Total Recall, Starship Troopers, they're both doing what Robocop's doing. You know, they're both this satire about, you know, corporate corporations and, 
and and war and violence. And I, I love to see what his ideas of that in sort of a futuristic sense where he's allowed to play with that, where he's allowed to do whatever he wants. Love seeing it on screen. Like these three movies that he's done are three of my tops. You know, when like when we talk about my top 50 list, you know, those three are in that. I, I just... I, I love this guy. I love what he does. I don't want, n- not that it would be bad, not that this Robocop movie that would be serious would be bad, but if Verhoeven's at the wheel, this is the movie. This is exactly what I want. I think he did exactly what he should have done. I got to see his vision in this movie, which I might not have seen if it was this serious movie. Okay, good answer. Um, I don't I don't think you got to see Verhoeven's vision, though. You got to see Neumeier's vision because it was his vision for this comic book style. But I that's a, that's a totally legit answer. You're saying no because you don't want Verhoeven to do something different than this. So let me counter then with what if a different director takes the project on? What if, let's say, Ridley Scott is the director behind that story and a pure sci-fi drama? Yeah, so I, I'm just... So this was the first of those three movies that I I named. This was the first one. So maybe this is what gave Verhoeven the taste for this. You know, maybe he's like, oh, it's cool to tell a sci-fi story. That is this satire. Um, So, you know, maybe it wasn't exactly his style at that moment. Maybe you're right that it's not his vision I'm watching on screen, but then he adapts that later. Um, I don't know. I I think this this over-the-top violent um, thing about the movie um, is something that... It really like it really connects me with the movie. Um, I, I'm I'm a person who's like like this is just my personal thing. I'm I'm like super afraid of guns um, because I like I don't know how to work one. I've I've never touched one before, so like I'm very afraid of them. And so it's one of those things where you put on screen my fear and have me sort of relate to that, where I can get lost when it's just an action movie. I just think it's cool. You know, I can kind of get lost in that sort of gunplay and violence. I think it's cool. But when you put it in front of me of like, this is what it can do. This is what gun violence can do. Then I like get scared and I I, I connect with the movie at a different level. So I understand like a Ridley Scott being able to do this sort of Robocop cool kind of thing, cool movie. Um, it's not necessarily what I want out of a, a cop that's a robot. Like I, I kind of love the way this movie approaches it. Yeah, I love this movie. Uh, it's a lot yeah. of fun. I would disagree with you, though. I think I'd be very interested in seeing what a different director could do with a serious RoboCop movie where, yeah. yes, there can be violence. There can be all the things that are still in this movie, but toned down. Um, and instead of the violence being brought to the forefront, you really dig in thematically to this character of Robotop, RoboCop and what he's mm-hmm. going through and... Um, like that process of him becoming, going from man to machine and then possibly trying to find its way back to some sort of humanity. I think if you really dug into that in a, in a, like a good way with a good story, that's a type of remake I'd be interested in seeing something where maybe Mm -hmm. you take this property, you remake it, but you kind of change what it's all about. You, You still keep the heart of it, but maybe just, just expand on a certain concept um within that within that movie i i think it yeah. could i think it could work but um i like your points uh it's not about right and wrong it's just our what if so yeah cool totally all right it is now time dean for movie trivia 
I love movie trivia time. I think this is going to be very difficult. I uh, Watching this movie, there are not a lot of things that I just noticed about the movie yeah. that I thought would make for a good trivia question. Um, so I, I think this is going to be tough. I don't think I have much of a shot at all of getting your question. I'll just say that. And mine, unfortunately, okay. is very difficult just for something I noticed, but... Okay, I have an, I have another question to ask you about the movie that's not movie trivia. Okay. I would like to do it after movie trivia. Okay. Okay? So movie trivia question first. So, the bathroom scene you love so much. Yeah. Okay. So, Dick Jones is talking to Bob Morton after he comes out of the bathroom, and he's basically giving him shit for um, talking about him behind his back. And he says, you know, when I first started, I used to talk about the old man. I used to call him names. Mm. He named three names he used to call the old man. One of them is asshole. I want to know what one of the other names is that he called the old man. That's a great, great question. I don't know, but I'll see if I can just quickly think about something. Calls him an asshole. I mean, I'm just going to have to throw a guess out with. I feel like there maybe was a dick something in there. I'll go with I'll go with dickhead. Interesting. Okay, very, very close. You you kind of combine two of them. Um, They're just similar ideas. So they stood out for me because they're so strange. One of them is boner. Oh, okay. So you're a little close on you close on the dick there. Yeah. The other one is iron butt. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> iron man. butt. So you're kind of there. You're on the That's head. That's Dick head. Iron butt. <laughs> oh, man. And boner. <laughs> oh, I, that didn't... That's a great question, man. That That's very strange that he... It's very strange. I think I just must have glossed over it. I'm like, who calls yes. anybody that? Oh, nice. Exactly. They're so weird. Such weird names to call someone. Nice, nice. Okay. I apologize for mine. It is ultra tough. Oh, I, I feel just, like I have no chance. I just I happened just, to notice it. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I noticed it at first. And then it took me a couple other, like, kind of like looking at the right angle to finally realize what it was. But um, anyways, I'll just, I'll just do it. Okay. Okay. What's engraved on the side of Robocop's helmet? So, I mean, it's, it's like, it's, it's words. It's not like a shape or uh, something like that. It's just like, there's words written on the side of his helmet. It's, uh, is it OCP property? Oh, dude, you're so close. Like you were, you clearly noticed it and were on to it, but it says yeah. OCP police zero zero one. Oh, okay. so it okay. sounds like you I, caught I, like half of it. Yeah. I saw, I can remember one scene where I saw yeah. the OCP and then another P. So yeah. I was just trying to guess off that one scene that I could remember. There was one scene where you could see all of it. And then a lot of other scenes where you could see some of it from one angle and then some of it from another one. Uh, but it was, I just, I noticed it for some reason, but it was, I knew, I just couldn't come well, with any, really, it's all I noticed in the movie really was that. I really like that question because, you know, it's OCP police and then 001, you know, he's it's the first. because he's the first, yeah. he's the first model. So I really like that question. That's just a cool trivia question to know. I, I like that one. Yeah. Cool. Okay. You had one more thing to say. I have one more question. Tim. Yes. Pretend it is a Saturday afternoon. You have nothing on your slate. You have 
You have nothing planned. You just get to chill. You get to crack a beer. You get to watch a movie. There's a movie that came out the same weekend as RoboCop. And I want to know if you would choose RoboCop or this other movie. And that other movie is Jaws the Revenge. Jaws the Revenge? Jaws the Revenge came out the same weekend RoboCop did. And I want to know if you're si- if you have an open day and you're sitting at home and you're like, there are two movies in front of you. Which one are you picking to throw on and watch? Perfect. I will answer your question with another question. Oh, great. Am I on vacation? I will just I know, say this. I, know I will that... say this. If I'm on vacation, yeah. it's Jaws the Revenge. Because yeah. that movie slows down time. It is so long and boring <laughs> that you feel after watching that like you've spent an entire day in front of the TV. And that's what you want on vacation. You want time to slow down. If I'm on vacation, it's Jaws 4. If it's a regular Saturday, dude, I'm throwing on RoboCop. I want nice. that like exciting, fast-paced action. That I feel like I'm just that's going to energize my Saturday. I'm going to be just like ready to do all sorts of stuff after that. So, but if it's if it's vacation, I want I want Jaws 4. I get it. Good answer. I I I think you're 100% right. You know, if it's a Saturday, it is definitely RoboCop. I mean, for me it's always going to be RoboCop. I'd always throw on RoboCop, but I get the vacation. I get Let's slow down time, throw in Jaws 4 so that this day never ends. Yeah, let's make that day last forever. (laughs) Great. Awesome. (laughs) All right, dude. Well, thanks for joining. Yeah, man. And thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. That's it for another episode. Thanks to everyone for listening. If you'd like to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter as TalkBackPod, or by email at TalkBackPod at gmail.com. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. Those reviews will help more people find Talking Back. All right, that's it. We're done.